Welcome everyone to Breaking Big Blue. I'm your host, Jordan Ron on ESPN, ESPN.com, Giants Reporter. We're here with the season-saving episode. That's right. It may have only been week two, but what we saw in Arizona, which by the way, I'm still here taping this. It is Tuesday morning. Uh, the Giants have stayed in Arizona this week. They saved their season by playing a big second half after just an awful first half, right? The first half was an extension of how they played against the Cowboys, where they were just manhandled down 20 to nothing to the Arizona Cardinals, who, by the way, might have one of the worst rosters in the NFL. Josh Dobbs tearing them apart. Uh, A lot of things to still be concerned about, but I think what we learned is that the Giants, at least for now, saved their season because they have a tough, tough upcoming schedule. And they're going to be without Saquon Barkley for a bit here. So you put that all together, this could go, this could have went south really quickly. Still can, but this gives them a chance to salvage the season. If they had lost that game, honestly, it their chances of making the playoffs would have been super, super low. I don't think they're really especially high right now, but they would have been virtually non-existent. Them coming back from 0-2 with that schedule on the horizon, you know, we're talking about this week, Thursday night at San Francisco. We'll get to that a little bit later. We know what kind of game that is. I mean, that they're 10-point underdogs, at least as of Monday morning when I checked. 10-point underdogs, double-digit underdogs on the road without Saquon Barkley, who might, they're, you know, their most explosive offensive player. It's not a good spot to be in. At home on Monday night against Seattle, okay, chance to win. Then on the road in Miami, looks like a very good team, as long as two is healthy. And then on the road Sunday night in Buffalo, good luck. So two of those four games are on the road in prime time against Buffalo and San Francisco. Couldn't lose in Arizona. Could not lose. But here's what we did learn. And we saw it last year. There's still doubters out there. I wonder when they're going to catch on, though. But Daniel Jones is a player that could put put this team on his shoulders at times and win you games. It's not just Saquon Barkley. And, yes, he helped. He scored two touchdowns in the second half. And he's a great player. And he certainly helps. But Daniel Jones played amazing in that second half, and that's why they won the game. They didn't win because they were running the football, and the offense revolves around running the football. No, no. And they did it last year at times. They did it against, he did it against uh, Minnesota in the playoffs. He did it several other times throughout the season. He's a quarterback who's capable of winning you games and putting the team on their shoulders. Maybe not consistently like there's no we're not arguing that he's Patrick Mahomes right or Joe Burrow who's by the way struggling but anything like that so absolutely you know we we will a hundred percent you should feel that Daniel Jones can win you games because we saw it again on Sunday afternoon in Arizona sure not a very good team but saving the Giants season we're going to get more into that game and what's coming up for the Giants in a minute with uh, Pat Leonard, uh, he's the New York Daily News beat reporter. Also, Talking Ball with Pat Leonard, that's his podcast. Uh, he's done a really good job lately, especially of, of getting good guests on there and really building that up. So uh, give it a listen if you have a few minutes as well. Uh, so we'll get to that. But first, let's get to Saquon Barkley. Right? Likelihood, he's going to miss about three games. So now we're talking the next three games are San Francisco, Monday night against Seattle, and on the road against Miami. So that is going to be a lot harder to win games without Saquon Barkley. But to be honest with you, with the way that that play panned out and the way that his ankle turned when he kind of got smushed at the bottom of a pile, the fact that there's no real you know, significant tear 
or a fracture or a break, I think that's almost like a win, almost, because you're still losing Saquon Barkley. So obviously that hurts. But when it happens, you're like, man, that could be kind of, that could be bad. He could be out a while. And again, we're seeing it running backs, right? You got Saquon Barkley out. You got Nick Chubb out now for the year. You got J.K. Dobbins out for the year. The running back position taking a beating as usual. And of course, this is big picture. Saquon Barkley personally does not help him because we're talking about a player who's looking for a contract, looking to get paid. We know how hard it is to get paid for running backs. You know what doesn't help? When you get injured. And it's not his fault. This is his third ankle injury of his career. None of those are things that, like, I would say you're injury-prone because somebody lands on your ankle or you step on somebody's foot. Like, if you say he, you know, he keeps getting hamstring injuries or calf injuries, but when, like, you're playing running back and you have just guys landing on your ankle, tell me what you're supposed to do. You tell me how you're supposed to avoid that. And now it's going to affect his long-term value. The incentives that he never had a chance to reach in the first place they are now no chance whatsoever. Like, literally zero. He already had to have a career year, and now he's going to miss three games, so good luck on that. That was always uh, a silly deal to even take, if you ask me, and really anybody who's looking at it from uh, afar. I don't know anyone who thought that was a, a smart idea for him to take those that incentive-based contract that he eventually did. So that's where the Giants are. Uh, it's a win, a win and a win. A win is a win in the NFL. There's certainly reasons to be concerned moving forward. Not everything was pretty. The defense, where's Kayvon Thibodeau? Anybody see him yet? Anybody see him? Kayvon, you going to come? You going to play this year? Xavier McKinney, I spoke to people uh, with the team, and he was one guy that they you know just got to play better. Did not have a good game. Leonard Williams virtually invisible. This defense is only going to go as far as that defensive front. And... You know, putting Jihad Ward and Shane Zimenez in there, that's just not really going to do it. Have them play 40, 50, 60 saps. Need more from that. And uh, how about this? Isaiah Simmons also. I mean, I know everybody got super pumped up. He's not an impact player. I think we've seen that. Can he help out in in flashes maybe? Sure. But is he going to be a real impact player? Sure doesn't look like it so far. Because if you've seen the impact, please point it out to me. Minimal. At best right now. The Giants have to find a way to utilize him a little more effectively and really rely on the guys that they're paying and the guys that are supposed to be their leaders and their significant players. Dexter Lawrence, I think, has held up his end of the bargain. Laren Williams, haven't seen enough of him. Xavier McKinney, haven't seen enough from him. Kayvon Thibodeau, haven't seen enough from him. If Dory Jackson has been okay. But if those guys aren't going to play at a really high level, yes, this defense will struggle all season. Okay. Let's get to Pat Leonard. On to the next one. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. 
Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. All right, we're out here in Arizona. Most of the writers and reporters are staying out here, so we're going to talk to one of them. Who was there at the game the other day? Patrick Leonard. Pat, Pat Leonard, New York Daily News, of course. Covers the Giants since 20... 2016, and if my family's listening, the weather here is awful. It's terrible. It's ugly. It's raining every day out here in Arizona. We'd all rather be home uh, taking care of our kids. Absolutely, for sure. In the meantime, we watched, the, regardless of what you think of it, an entertaining football game. 31-28, Giants victory, of course. You wrote about how important it was to Brian Dable. Why do you, do you think that this game was big for him specifically? Well, I thought the first game against Dallas, it wasn't just a bad loss. I thought the Giants weren't ready to play the game. And I thought that reflected on the offseason plan that Brian Dable put in place, that Joe Shane put in place, how they led up to, let's let's face it, a huge test for them right off the bat because of their history against the Eagles and Cowboys. So to fall to 0-2 with this schedule they have up front where there's not a lot of wins to get anyway, falling 0-2 and losing to a Cardinals team that is going to have a top three pick in the draft would have immediately flipped the Coach of the Year award, Brian Dable, on its head to what is going on here, what's the plan, and was the first year smoke and mirrors. Fortunately, the second half undid how dismal the first half and the first six quarters of their season was. Jordan, I'll say this. I've never had a switch leads as different as this game, where at halftime my lead was the Giants are the worst team in the NFL because that's what they looked like. And after the game, it's look at what Daniel Jones did. Look at the buttons Brian Dable pushed at halftime. I mean, that's what a couple quarters of football can do for you, I guess. Yeah, that kind of reminds me of the story when I fired Tom Coughlin. The, the Giants were up like 20-something points. Blew it in Jacksonville, and John Maris said he wanted to, on the bus ride home, he said he wanted to fire everyone in the organization. So, yeah. Um, what did you take from that locker room after the game? We heard it, so we're in the, let's set the, the scene here. We're in the press conference room, which is but right next to the locker room. And you could hear the celebration, the yelling. Uh, I guess it was Brian Dable. I'm pretty sure we don't know for certain, but talking to the team and you know firing him up, and it sounded you know every other word sounded. Oh, the only other only word we could understand was f the f this f that f this f that f that. So, what was your take of the post game locker room for uh, game two, week two win, uh, where they beat a Cardinals team 31 28 that we all thought they should beat? I thought it was. It had the feel of a team that they almost needed to know as badly as we did and their fans did that they could do that. You know, at halftime, you know, Brian Dable talked around it. Some players talked around it. But I think at halftime, Brian Dable really sent a stern message to the team of, listen, it can't get any worse. And if we're not going to fight now, we never are. And I think the postgame locker room had a feel of a team that, you know, even like Graham Gano, a veteran, said something about, that this is a special group. It's still a special group, you know, from last year with the postseason run, winning in Minnesota, and it didn't have that feel in this early going. And I think the postgame in Arizona 
I don't think any of these players are fooling themselves to think that this means they're going to go on some run immediately or anything. But I think that they needed to prove to themselves that they could be the offense that they were hoping to be, that they could put it together with a, a lot of pieces missing from last year. Frankly, they're missing some key pieces, some leaders, right? Guys like Julian Love, Nick Gates, John Feliciano, like there are some leaders in that locker room, but I, Brian Dable said something in the preseason, and so did Wink Martindale. They kept talking about how they still needed this group to form and come together. And you almost brush that aside when you first hear it as, well, wait, there's so many guys holdovers from last season. It's not really a new group, quote unquote. But I think when you watch these games and you see how many rookies are playing, and even the, so a lot of the big names are new faces like Okereke and Waller, I think there is something to the fact that they're still figuring out who they are. And I think they were relieved, frankly, that they became the team they did in the second half. Yeah, I, I'm along those lines. I'll take it even further. I'll say I came away thinking that Brian Dable's message to them at halftime was somewhere along the line of, we keep talking about, you know, we're going to be good. You know, we're better. We're improved. But until we put it on the field, it means nothing. Like, we, we haven't done anything. We have to show it on the field. Like, we can sit here and talk all we want until we're blue in the face. That means nothing. You have to go out there and do it. Yeah, no question about it. And I think Daniel Jones said it, too. He said that Dable was fiery and passionate. Tangible evidence is actually, I think, a phrase that uh, Dable used in his postgame press conference. Yes, right. And, and I think, you know, Dable said something about it's about the will of the player, and that struck me as something that he probably said to them. He did not say that directly, but listening to reading between the lines, I think he was trying to say, I totally agree with you. It's like, hey, we need to coach better. And I, I really think that's a message he needs to continue to hammer home for himself and his staff. They do need to coach better. They do need to have their team ready to play in these games. The, the way you start these games, you're not going to win a lot if you go down, and frankly, Arizona stinks. I mean, they have some good players and some hard-working players, and frankly, they played with a lot of effort, but that team doesn't have any talent at all compared to what the Giants have on the field now. So it has to be on the players, but it also has to be on Brian Dable, you know, Mike Kafka, and Wink Martindale. All right, so let's talk about the monkey in the room because as we sit here and we talk about this, and quite frankly, they didn't play. They played awful in the opener, played awful in the first half in Arizona, and it had a good second half against an inferior Arizona team. We could all agree upon that. So the big monkey that's in the room right now, and they ran a very light training camp. I mean, they, you know, would practice three days, take off. Vet days left and right for guys, right? The meetings start late. So if this continues, you have to think, okay, how relevant is it or how um, – appropriate is it to think that the way they ran training camp attributed to the slow start to the season? Yeah, I think that's something that has to be monitored closely. I don't think they're the only team that you monitor in that sense. I look around. Probably most teams these days because the rules kind of sh like shove them in that direction. Yeah, I think, I think a lot of coaches are coaching to be player friendly. And I think the training staffs have a lot of say in how the practices run and who has off days and on days. And listen, the Giants have struggled to keep players healthy for a long time now. And I think 
Brian Dable and Joe Shane and the Giants training staff are all buying into the same idea of let's just get these guys healthy to game day. But frankly, when I saw Darren Waller fail to reach week one without ending up on the injury report and then going into the second week doesn't put in a full practice, that concerned me because I'm saying, well, wait a second. Here's a player who was not playing as much football, was getting a lot of off days, and he still got this issue. Now, yes, he talks about how it's related to last year, but I think when you look at players getting hurt early season, hamstrings, Andrew Thomas, a left tackle, a hamstring injury, Azizo Zolari, hamstring injury. These are things that, you know, I really do think, Jordan, you know, not, not all of what Joe Judge did here was embraced. Obviously, there are some ways and some times where he's practicing guys really hard and it was not received well. But I do think there's something to playing football to get ready for football. And I think it's something about your body physically. And I think it's also about the speed of the game. Like I look at the Giants defense right now. It looks like they're a step slow to almost every tackle. And you don't play your starters really at all in the preseason. I think that if you fail in the preseason and you're, you stub your toe early and you never recover, then absolutely there's something too. We didn't play enough football to get our guys ready. That said, you know, the way they responded in Arizona, and I'll say this, the way Daniel Jones took that beating in that first game and then in Arizona has that game like seven days later, that bodes well. So it all goes into the pot. That's ultimately what it's going to come down to in the end is, okay, how long did it take them to hit their stride? And B, how healthy were they able to stay long-term as a result? So really, we're not going to know the answer until we have enough data where we could sort of figure out, hey, is it worth the potential to do what they did in the opener in the first half of Arizona if long-term is going to keep us healthier and we could hit our stride at a fairly reasonable time? I mean, Bill Belichick was actually big into what you don't like learn. Right? You, know, you take the four, first four weeks to kind of learn about your team, right, to, to get them in shape. So, uh, But now the, there is one injury that they are dealing with. So it's nothing to do with whether you work a guy hard or not. Saquon just got his ankle crushed in the bottom of a pile. He's now out uh, multiple weeks, likely probably around three weeks. Um, what do you think the Giants do in the short term to replace Saquon? Obviously, it's uh, Matt Breda, Gary Brightwell, Eric Gray. How do you see that sort of shaping out? I, Shaking out, I should say. I will say this. I'm not saying Eric Gray is going to get 20 carries in this San Francisco game, but I think the Giants, Joe Shane and Brian Dable specifically, are extremely willing, you can see, to play their young guys and to get them in the games and to get them acclimated, and they want to build through the draft, and Gray's already been returning kicks. It would not surprise me if he got a little more work in this game than people would expect. Like, Matt, Matt Braid is a savvy veteran. He's not a bell cow. He's not going to carry the load. Brightwell... Yeah, Brightwell did uh, good work when he was asked to carry the ball last season, but we've never seen them trust him with a heavy workload. So I do think Eric Gray touches the ball. Also, this is something you and I saw in practice plenty in the preseason. You know, Paris Campbell, Wandale Robinson, two guys who you see sometimes at the mesh point in practice taking handoffs with the running backs before they go over with the wide receivers and do their work. I think this is going to be a committee and it doesn't just have to be running backs. I think Wandale, you know, as we sit here right now, I think he's going to play in this game. And I think he and Paris Campbell, I mean, he did play running back in college too at times in Kentucky, Wandale. So I see those guys factoring in as much as 
Interesting. Yeah, it's something I didn't really take into that much account. But yeah, it's definitely something I think that uh, we could see going forward. The biggest positive you take out of that game the other day in Arizona and the biggest reason for concern is what? The biggest positive I take out of Arizona is that Daniel Jones looked like the $40 million quarterback for a half. That he could carry a team. No doubt. And, you know, this is a whole other conversation, but whether it was Mike Kafka calling the plays in the second half or Dayball calling the play, whatever, that half, Jordan, I'm just going to say it. It looked like the way the Bills would put it in Josh Allen's hands and say, go win. That's what it looked like to me. Pat's, Pat's joining. He's, he's on the, the Daniel bandwagon. I'm on the train. I'm on the train. You know, so that's the way that looked was Brian Dable, Mike Kafka, putting the ball in Daniel Jones's hands and saying, go win this game for us, and we're going to help you do that because we see how that's going to happen. Biggest concern. Um, I would have to say the defense as a whole right now doesn't seem to have their hands around who they're going to be, and whether they're going to be dominant. Kayvon Thibodeau really hasn't shown up yet through two games. Um, I was actually surprised Dexter Lawrence did not dominate that Arizona game. I thought he was going to. He did not. He did some damage, though. I, he I, He's the last of those guys I'm going to pick out. Leonard Williams, to me, was way more non-existent than Dexter Lawrence. Oh, yeah. No, no. Dexter, he didn't play badly, but uh, he is their best player on defense. So, you know, I think— he's getting paid a lot now. Right. And I think when I talk about dominating, too— I'm thinking, like, who are your best players? They have to win their matchup. And so you go around who those guys are, and it's not happening. But um, Dex was good in week one. I agree. He'll figure it out, and he's he's a really good player. But they have just a lot of trouble, Jordan, not only getting to the quarterback, but tackling, like open field tackling. And, yes, you have rookie corners out there. But I counted – I couldn't even count how many times I saw James Conner break one, two – and sometimes three tackles on the same play in this game against the Cardinals. You and I both know this is something the Giants practice, that Jerome Henderson and you know Wink Martindale and the defensive staff are drilling into them. Uh, but if you're going to ask me, number one, what's concerning right now, as far as a big name on this team, Kayvon Thibodeau's got to show up, man. You know, there's a lot of talk about Evan Neal at right tackle, justifiably so, but Kayvon's got to show up. They need that edge rusher. Especially if you're going to show up looking like a farmer in like overalls, like what was it, baby blue overalls? There is nothing, there is no one more supremely confident than someone who would wear that outfit. A kudos to Kayvon. Would you wear that outfit? No, I would not. I would not. Well, it depends. I mean, am I getting paid for it? I mean, that's that's a really good question. Ha- Halloween? <laughs> no? My- Should I not have gone there? I'll be Kayvon for Halloween and wear it. I'll have that. There you go. We'll get the, the the hat and the, the overalls. Just get Pat Litter pulling up like that. That would actually be a funny. Uh, how did they did they play on Halloween this year? I don't know, but that would make for a good arrival video. Yeah, it really would. So now they go to San Francisco or Santa Clara or whatever they're playing. But San Francisco, obviously, a really tough game with no Saquon Barkley. The Giants are ten point underdogs. That's kind of what I predicted. Actually, I, I think I turned to someone in, during at, at the end of the game yesterday. Our uh, ESPN Arizona Cardinals reporter Josh Weinfuss and I said, I think there'd be 10 and a half point underdogs. So 10 it is, at least as of Monday morning. Do you give them any shot? Like, what are you expecting? This team, when we kind of have counted them out, a lot of times they've been pesky. They haven't exactly won those games, but they've hung around way more than people have thought. 
Yeah, the resilience they showed in Arizona tells me I can't completely discount them because that's some of the quality they had last season. And, you know, it is definitely there in some form this year. Good sign. Can't just write them off. But I don't think they win the game. I think the goal, their goal is to win the game. But if you're a Giants fan watching this, you need the Giants to compete with the 49ers for four quarters. No matter what the score is, we all know what these games look like when you walk off the field or out of the press box or you turn the TV off at home and you say, we didn't even belong on the field with them. Like that was what the, like Dallas, that was the Cowboys game. And if the Dallas game was any indication, the Giants cannot play with the 49ers. But um, I think what it will be about, Jordan, and you and I both know this from last season, this is, I keep coming back to the coaching in the day bowl. Last season, the Giants won for a lot of reasons. One of the reasons was they coached to the way that they could win games and stay in games to keep them close late. That's what it's going to have to be again. It's going to have to be making decisions throughout the game to try and make sure you're within striking distance in the fourth. It's not going to be sexy all the time, uh, but frankly, when Debo Samuel is coming downhill, you know, and they're running all these misdirections to get George Kittle and Christian McCaffrey into space, it's going to, it, a lot of this game is going to look ugly. There's going to be big plays the Niners make. It's just going to be about the Giants holding their own and looking like they belong on the field, which is not going to be easy. Because we could all agree that this San Francisco 419, which by the way, their roster is loaded, is just way more talented than, than the Giants. All right, we're going to finish up with a quick little game here. It's called Who Hates You More? Okay. And I, here's what I'm going to do, because I'm springing this on. You didn't know this was coming. I'm going to let you come back on at a later date and turn the tables and play the same game with me. Okay? So, who hates you more, guys, we've covered over the past, you know, five, seven years, okay? Odell Beckham or Brad Wing? Bradway, without a doubt, 100%. Well, hi, Brad Wing. Uh, I think because he took personally my criticisms of Odell more than Odell did. You know, <laughs> it's almost like, you know when like a team loses and the PR guy is more upset than the players practically? That's, that was Brad Wing's attitude compared to Odell's to my criticism. Odell and I could talk it out. I just got icy glares from the punter. Pat Shermer, who once stared a hole through your soul in the middle of a press conference, or Brian Dable? That, that's uh, that's <laughs> the fact that you can't answer that right away. I don't know what to make of that right now. <laughs> That's a difficult one. I will say, as many as the, I have gotten glares and stares from Brian Dable, but I've never gotten one like the one I got from Shermer. It was the it was the Odell hematoma week. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a made up thing right there, the Odell hematoma week. But yes, that really happened. Right, and if you're listening to this podcast, you know what I'm talking about. But if you don't, go look it up. But during that week, there was always once a week where Pat Shermer would talk to us and there were no cameras around. And this day, there were probably like five reporters with Pat Shermer. It was inside the building. I think it might have been cold. Season was over because it was like really late in the season. They weren't very good. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, pick a year. So <laughs> he was only there too. <laughs> exactly. So, so the long story short is Shermer was so mad about what I had written that day with some inside information about. Shermer and Odell and kind of a tug of war on the injury that not only did he stare a hole through my soul when we arrived for the interview and started, but every time another reporter would ask a question, 
Shermer would turn to that reporter, answer the question, and then would turn back to me and stare at me until someone else asked the next question. It was the most uncomfortable five minutes, but it was unforgettable. That's like when uh, I used to cover the Eagles and uh, Asante Samuel, the former quarterback for the Patriots and then the Eagles, was literally yelling at one of the reporters in the while he was practicing. Domowitz, I see you. <laughs> like the whole time, the whole practice, it was really uh, a surreal thing. All right, we'll go with some current Giants. Saquon or Daniel Jones? I don't think it's really either, but I had to throw some current players. I was going to say, I don't think either of those guys hates me. Um, Daniel did go to dinner with me once, and Saquon I've never had a meal with. So I guess I'll say Saquon hates me more, but I don't think either player hates uh, what I bring to the table. All right. I, listen, I don't want to speak for him either. I think you should. <laughs> I think you should ask them this question. That would be a great. This would be a great game that we played if it was with any of the reporters. Like, who do you hate most? And then we, you know, we we, we gave like Saquon an opportunity and Daniel an opportunity. Good idea for another episode. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that would be a harsh one. Uh, we we'd be on a lot. We'd be on a lot of. <laughs> We'd be at the top of a lot of lists. I will end on this one. Dave Gettleman or Joe Shane? Oh, Dave Gettleman. I mean, that's. I know it's kind of like a layup to end because I couldn't compare. I didn't have anyone else to compare Gettleman to. Yeah, no, that's uh, Dave Gettleman resented accountability, which I think I try to bring in my coverage. And so we never saw it. Uh, take, a, take, a, take a spot in line, buddy. <laughs> you're, you're in a long line there. And that was the thing. Dave Gettleman was like, uh, you think I do this for a hobby? It's like, and then you had, then they had to like send us, uh, you know, clean up aisle seven afterwards, and then they, they like fix his messes. But yeah, but again, you know, you're gonna have to ask Joe uh, that question too. I mean, this is still like that. That one is actually one we need to revisit in like two or three years and see where it stands. I will. I will say, um, I did like the Joe Shane tapping Brian Dable uh, during the preseason press conference when I was. Uh, responding under my breath to him saying that division games were more important. You can go look at that. Probably gives you a good look at the fact that, uh, you know, it's an interesting dynamic, but I do think, listen, I think that this current regime has a plan and is executing it and is grinding on it. And I think that where this franchise was, uh, as you alluded to the guy that you brought up earlier, it's, it has to be building blocks. So it's hard to compete while you're building, but I think that's what they're trying to do. I will end on this because uh, I think last time I brought it up, you had beat me in golf. Tell the people real quick because I'll I'll explain it after. What was what was today? Listen, today we were at the uh, Phoenician Golf Resort, and Jordan shot a personal record. And also, I know Giants fans listening to this podcast. I know you hate the Eagles, but you do not hate an eagle when you get one on the golf course and. Um, I was a witness to this. I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to admit it. Um, I hate that he's making me tell you, uh, but I'm, I'm not going to lie. You know, I'm a man of honor, and um, I couldn't make a putt all day. So kudos to you. Most people like self-deprecation. I like rubbing other people's faces in the dirt. Thank you to Pat Leonard. On to the next one. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. 
You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. All right, let's wrap up this episode with a little quick Jordan on the beat. Uh, we'll make it quick because this is a crazy week. These Thursday night games, it's such a quick turnaround. Uh, we're in Arizona right now as we speak. It's Tuesday morning as I'm taping this. Flying to San Francisco, Santa Clara area on Wednesday. And then game Thursday. And because the Saquon Barkley injury is a notable thing and it's a, the Thursday night game is a standalone game, it's a huge busy week for me. I got a TV crew coming out Tuesday. I have TV before the game all day on ESPN whenever they do Giants stuff. Uh, I will be on the tube, so look out for that on Thursday leading into the game. Uh, it's going to be a tough one, man, San Francisco. So it's a crazy, hectic week. We did happen to squeeze in that round of golf, as we mentioned earlier. And, uh, you know, a little redemption for me, Connor Hughes and Pat Leonard. Uh, both got a taste of me playing well. Actually, it was probably my career best round shot in 83-84, depending on whose scorecard we want to go by. There was differing scorecards, but either way, feel good about that. And it was me and Connor Hughes as a team. We took home a little victory. So, a uh, successful trip out here in regards to the golf course, but there's just a lot of work to be done. Crazy, hectic week because the turnaround is kind of insane. And uh, it's so quick that Brian Dayball is in the hotel, right? And we're doing a player availability in the hotel and the players come out. Brian Dable's still doing his by Zoom. He doesn't even have time to basically come downstairs and do an interview, which is a little strange if you ask me, but it is what it is. Like We're out here in Arizona. We could, should be able to squeeze it in and do face-to-face. But it just goes to show you how hectic these kind of weeks are and how quick that turnaround is. So look for a story I have running Thursday on Daniel Jones and the, the, how he handles pressure, including that massive contract that he received this offseason, $40-plus million. And guess what? He earned it on Sunday. We'll see. He's really going to have to earn it moving forward, though, because San Francisco's defense is might be comparable, at least up front, to Dallas. So it's going to be a lot for the Giants to handle, especially on a short week. Uh, Marcus McKeithen started at guard. I thought that was interesting. Uh, ben Bredesen was the left guard. He had a concussion. And Mark Lewinsky, who was benched, came in and actually played relative, actually played fairly well at left guard. So, and then I didn't even mention Josh Azudu played left tackle. I do think there's a good chance that the Giants get some reinforcements back for this week's game. You got Wandale Robinson, uh, 
I think there's a good chance that he returns this week. I think the only reason he didn't return on Sunday in Arizona is because you don't come back from an ACL injury and then play two games in four days. It just doesn't make sense. So hold, kind of hold them until the second game here, and it makes sense that it gives them 11 days to rest and then get to that Monday night game against Seattle. That's a more preferable route. And Andrew Thomas, I also kind of expect him to be back. He was pretty close to being able to play this week. He got some a little practice time, team reps, at the end of last week. But again, they just thought it was better long-term to have him play one game, not two games in four days. So again, you give him the extra few days of rest, get him out there for San Francisco, which I think will happen barring a setback. And then again, he has 11 days to rest up and get ready for the next game. All right, so that's it for this episode of Breaking Big Blue. As always, like, subscribe, tell your friends. Uh, Give this a like, too. If you're listening right now, make sure you like it. Make sure you give it a review. Feedback always welcome. Listening to Breaking Big Blue, I'm your host, Jordan Ronan. See you next time.